the Spirit of Jazz podcast, where music dances with mystery, with your hosts, Bill Carter and Jeff Kellum. Welcome to the Spirit of Jazz podcast. This is Bill Carter, and we're glad you're here today. Today is our road show, a special documentary of our time on the road. Uh, we called it our first international tour of southeastern Virginia. Let's have a little travel music to get us started. First off, here's Mike Carbone, the venerable saxophonist, just a wonderful guy to be around. How are you feeling about being in Norfolk, Virginia? It's pretty cool here. It's actually, it's actually very warm here, which is compared to New York. <laughs> it's it's right. a treat. Well, and we're being treated extremely well. Yes, we are. We've been uh, overly treated, best possible way, by great food, great people, great friends, great laughter, and yeah. uh, we're making some real good music. Well, thanks, Mike. Hey, my pleasure. See you on the bandstand. So here we are with Bob Guffey, who is the pastor of the Freemason Street Baptist Church downtown Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, I've known Bob, what, 20 years maybe? I think so. And uh, he's chased me down a few times to play at the churches he served. Bob, it's great to be in your place. <laughs> From 1999 to 2006, so seven years in, in Connecticut, and uh, that's where I really learned to appreciate jazz and uh, appreciate, learned to appreciate jazz because of bill carter so oh, uh, well it's the truth and I'll, I'll tell you my my story and i you know i always thought i'd like jazz in high school i played in the jazz band you know the swing band or whatever but what'd you, what'd you play trumpet uh-huh. yeah trumpet but i just had trouble accessing so i i said i'm going to the lectionary homiletics festival and i think it was at first presbyterian atlanta and there's this guy gonna do a thing called preaching as jazz and so I th- I'm going to go. And, you know, the the festival was, was smaller in those days. There were probably 600 or so, you know, preaching yeah. ministers were all sitting there. And he's sitting, he's at the Steinway or whatever. And he goes, preaching and jazz are a lot alike. And part of this, you don't believe me because you don't know that jazz has rules. Mm-hmm. It has rules of interpretation. And so, like, you take the biblical text, you lay down the text, then you begin to add all your hermeneutical, you know, principles, and, your, and then you begin to see what's coming out. And he said, this is what I want to do. He said, take that Presbyterian hymnal, and I want all of you to sing uh, Amazing Grace. I'll lay down the first verse, and then I'm going to put the rules of jazz down. And by the time we're on the fourth and fifth verses, Bill is soaring someplace in outer space while we're still doing, you know, the thing. And I'm yeah. going... Yeah, so I went home and I, I, pl- I play guitar not as much now as I did and I convinced a guy who was a studio musician to he was a jazz guy he taught me one summer I said I just want to learn enough right. so you know he pulled out some I don't know Charlie Parker or something you know he said we're going to start learning some things and uh, he helped me and I got into uh, St. John Coltrane and started (laughs) listening to Love Supreme every Sunday morning 
Uh, before you know, going to before church. Before going to church, yeah. you know, snowy days or not. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it would burn the snow away. Yes, <laughs> sure. indeed, it would. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it would. Yeah. That's my story. Well, that's a great story. Now, um, you so you played guitar, you played trumpet. Trumpet. See, I always thought that was yeah. terribly unfair to be able to yes. play two different kinds it, of instruments. It probably is. And Bill, he can't do anything but play piano. That's it. Yeah. That's well, it. I, and the last album, I play finger cymbals. <laughs> ting, ting, ting. That's right. Like the little monkey. That's right. <laughs> he, he taught me. <laughs> right, right. Oh. So where does where does jazz fit into your life now? What do you listen to? And, well, and jazz is uh, is very much a part of my spiritual life, and, and and a lot of it really goes back to to Bill. There's just something about jazz that I think is a lot of like life, because I started thinking. Maybe not completely, but I got to thinking, you know, a lot of what makes jazz good, in my view, is it's full of unresolved chords, mm -hmm. and that's a lot of our lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, eventually you get to that resolution or you don't. It's a new day on our tour. Today, uh, this is the calm before the storm. We are in Williamsburg, Virginia. It's early in the morning, and Mike and I will head over to Williamsburg Presbyterian Church shortly to rehearse a piece with the choir and to present that piece and another instrumental in their worship service. And then this afternoon, we're doing a 4 o'clock concert of my jazz requiem, Luxiterna and doing that with a, a regional choir from around here. We went through the paces yesterday with a rather vigorous rehearsal. Their director is a hoot. We're looking forward to making some music together. Hey, it's Bill Carter again. Um, so I've come all the way down to Williamsburg and in the Hampton Inn going for my breakfast. Who should I run into? But Jeff Kellum trying to put some Cheerios into his mouth. These are heart-shaped Cheerios. They're left over from Valentine's Day of 2014. Are they? Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Did you get one of the stale muffins? I'm looking at your stale eggs right now. <laughs> what kind of place is this? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a it's a good place. Perfectly fine. I've, it's I've a good just, place, yeah. but uh, it's you know road food. And suddenly, in the Hampton Inn, here comes Mike Carbone, and he's been peeling an orange. He's got it all over his chin. <laughs> good morning, everybody. Good morning, Bill. You sleep well on the road? 
Uh, not really. I've been up since 4.30. Oh, man. He's probably been practicing that whole time. Yes, I was. I was uh, working my way through the charts. Oh. <laughs> there was nothing better to do. So, um, Jeff, you're with Tyler Dempsey, and we're just waiting for a performance. Do you get really nervous? Sometimes. Yeah. It depends on the situation and how well I know the music and who I'm playing with, but uh, in this scenario, I'm amongst friends and I know the music, so I'm feeling good. Good. What do you think about when you're performing? I try not to think. I try to uh, just be engaged with the music. Uh, in this case, I'm reading charts. If I'm not reading charts, oftentimes I have my eyes closed and I'm just trying to, to, to fall into the music and be supportive with everybody I'm playing with and uh, do the best I can. Yeah. Now, this time you're playing music you haven't played before, right, publicly? Right. So it's a little bit more reading heavy. Like my eyes are a little bit more glued to the paper uh, because I'm not as familiar. But the the idea is uh, to get as familiar as possible so I don't have to be looking at the music and so I can feel that freedom of just playing. Where else do you play? Play all over NEPA. That's northeastern Pennsylvania for our international audience. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I freelance, so I, I often play in the Poconos and the Lehigh Valley and uh, the scranton Wilkesbury region. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, and what kind of bands? Is it all jazz? Ninety-nine percent jazz. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which is, I feel super fortunate that in a small area like northeastern Pennsylvania that I'm able to make a living just playing the music that I love. Really, really. Yeah. So, of course, one of the venues in uh, the Poconos is the Deerhead Inn. Yeah. You, you played there? I have, yeah. That was actually, uh, I went there back in high school with my father to one of the jam sessions, and I sat in, and I was super nervous. That was the time where I was really nervous. You know, I was playing <laughs> with much more experienced musicians. Right. Uh, fast forward, I, I would, you know, check out any artists coming to town there. I would try to go as much as possible. And then eventually I built relationships with the folks there and became the house drummer for the Thursday night jam session and did that for many years. And uh, now I I visit there, you know, a couple of times a year and I'm playing there at the end of May, actually. Wonderful. So the the idea of being on the road, you've got a young family at home and uh, is this the first time you've left to go on the road for, uh, it's a short trip, Mm there's five days. Uh, it's the first time since uh, I have the family. Yeah. I did do it previously, and it was a bit longer of a tour. It was also done by car, and we went all across the country from Pennsylvania to Texas to California, all over, and I really enjoyed it. But now having a family, it's a little bit tougher. Right. You know, I miss them and uh, don't want to be gone for too long. Yeah. You know? You're doing FaceTime along the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine if that wasn't invented what I would do. Then, when the band got to Richmond, we're going into a restaurant one night, and Jeff Kellum runs into somebody he'd known years ago. And here's that story. All right, Aaron Houghton, the Reverend. This is he. Okay, let's talk about, um, you do jazz festivals at your church. Where did you get into jazz? Where did your jazz come from? Well, jazz was what the music program was at my high school. 
when I got there was James Saxmo Gates was the director of the band yeah. program but the band program was a jazz program and so that's why I got into it and then shortly afterwards then I don't think he actually had a teaching license and so he lost his job and it was this whole controversy and it broke so many hearts and the reason why I had gotten into music and the person I had wanted to study under was no longer there yeah. and so they brought in people that didn't know jazz to teach the jazz band class and that's what I you know, continue and suffered under but I, I loved it so much that's what I went and I did at, at college I, I studied at the Miles Davis School of Jazz in North Carolina in Greensboro wow UNC Greensboro had a fantastic time and uh, met a man there my senior year who invited me to come and listen to his jazz albums. I called it Second Church. Yeah. He had, I mean, he had a wall covered in LPs, and he would, he would, essentially, he would have prepared this entire set for me by the time I showed up after church on Sundays, and he had a story about every recording we listened to whether he was there in the room when it was recorded or he saw yeah. so and so perform or he would scat along to every solo like he, I mean he knew it like and, he knew and his name this was Sherman Caldwell now Sherman called me his protege and he was certain that I was going to go on to do great things in jazz um, and it was while I was hanging out with him and doing you know like this was after I graduated from college continuing this relationship uh he confided in me, you know, that it was around the time he found out he had been diagnosed with cancer that he reached out to the School of Music to see if someone would come and, and listen to music with yeah. him so he could share that which was valuable yeah. with him before yeah. he left. Um, and he moved into palliative care, he moved into hospice, and I remember there was a Sunday uh, that that I got some friends from the School of Music together and we went and we performed in his, in his hospital room there in palliative care. And he died that next Tuesday. Yeah. Wow. When he died, wow. he gifted me with a box of ties. 300 neckties. I mean, going from the 50s through the 90s, some of them were wearable, some of them weren't. Yeah. I had those turned into the stole that I was given when I was ordained. <laughs> so that was that was so jazz. Jazz has been a part of a lot of of what I do. Um, and what? And your first instrument was drums, or, or did you take piano? What, what? I think my first instrument well it was probably the voice, and then the second instrument was violin. Um, but violin lessons more. The, the teacher had a Nintendo, so I was more excited to go to lessons because while my brother was taking lessons, I got to play Nintendo. <laughs> and then we all did piano lessons. Yeah. And that, I think, was really where it was like, okay, you can use multiple parts of your body to make music at the same time. Right. And that coordination of pressing pedals and playing left hand and right hand translated well to drums for me. Yeah, um, yeah it was around fourth or fifth grade that I started playing drums. And yeah. just being... Being able to read music, um, I think, was something that I gave me a gave me a leg up against a lot of the other elementary schoolers that were joining band at that time. Yeah. I could read music already, and so I could start excelling in the drums while they were still learning how to, you know, yeah. Yeah. do the right fingerings to get the notes out and how to read the music. And stuff. Right. Um, so, what about church? What, what the the church nurture you in in any music? Well, you're asking the wrong person. The, the, 
the, the person who nurtured me in music at church is sitting across the table from me right now. This is uh, Mrs. Deborah Houghton, the director of the Cherub Choir at Bonaire Presbyterian Church. Since, you know, let's... Well, it was called, what, Cantus Choir? Oh, it wasn't the Cherubs, I suppose. Yeah, right, That's, right. But, yes, the, my, my mother... Um, you know, started yeah. us all in music and, 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 and nurtured us all. In the, the reason I ask about that is that, well, I'll tell you why I asked about that later. But. Yeah, there's dessert on the yeah. table now, Yeah, Jeff. that's right. We have to <laughs> all right, one more, one more thing, though, about uh, Jazz Vespers. Yeah. Um, what was the idea behind Jazz Vespers for you? If you can't tell, if I'm given the opportunity, I will talk way too much. And so Jazz Vespers was a ministry designed specifically for me to shut up and give everyone the opportunity to listen to something other than words yeah. and to guide the meditative and prayerful and mindful practices with something that allows that not speaking to feel less uncomfortable than silence. Right, right. And music embraces us in, in contemplation in such a beautiful way. And so Jazz Vespers was a way to create space for relationship with the divine that we didn't feel so inclined to interrupt. it's Bill Carter here. We're kind of winding up the tour just uh, some few miles from home. And uh, Tyler Dempsey, tell us uh, some of your favorite musical moments on this tour. Well, what I really enjoyed was uh, getting to know each venue and the, the acoustics in each uh, spot. Uh, it present, each one presented a different challenge and different... Uh, musical kind of approach and uh, the last one at Richmond Hill that we ended with I could tell we were all firing on uh, all cylinders and and really enjoyed that one particularly it's amazing isn't it how we we play pretty well most of the time but after we play a couple times that next time is always going to be even better yeah as we travel together and eat together and sleep you know in, in rooms together whatever <laughs> we, we uh, sleep together <laughs> well but we, we you know we get to we, we build a closer connection and I think that uh, is evident in the music hey Tony Marino uh, yeah. tell us about some of your favorite moments on the uh, tour and don't use any first names uh, favorite what on the tour moments on the oh, tour. moments I would have to say, um, oh, you know, playing in different venues. The f- first venue we played was really special because the bands, I think, sounded beautiful in that church. So it was so easy to interact and listen to each other. Uh, the second one was rehearsal that was a little strange, but uh, went pretty well. And then we did the concert. And... Uh, Everybody did great on that. So the camaraderie was fantastic between everyone. Um, a lot of hamburgers on this tour. A lot of fish and chips. Uh, we finally got to the Presbyterian cookies. 
Uh, but then the last night was a very special one. And I have to say, probably the most special thing of the whole tour was the audiences. Whether they be small or large, they were uh, really responsive, and that really made it worthwhile. Yeah, I think uh, the music's central when we play, but the, uh, the friendships around the music, both between the musicians and the folks who came out to hear us and hang around with us and even pay for some of our meals on occasion, uh, that was extra special. And um, we're grateful. So here's to the next time. from the tour jeff uh, what kind of reflections do you have after all those miles well i was thinking of the three concerts that we did they were all different uh, a lot of the same music but different audiences and the first one was a small but appreciative audience i thought the band was pretty loose everybody was excited to be where they wanted to be after yeah. hours driving it was uh, fun and uh, not a lot of pressure uh, it seemed like yeah. everyone's having a good time yeah. And then you switch over to Sunday, uh, the afternoon concert featuring the Requiem, where you're working with the the choir. And I, I sensed in the leader of Presby Bop uh, a bit of tension and stress. And I think for all the musicians working with the voices and the choir director, I think a lot of stress. But it didn't come through with the music. I felt like the music yeah. was just as together as it was at the first concert Friday night. Well, and that, that was a lot of compressed energy in a short period of time with complicated music that had to be figured out yes. on one pass. Yep. Um, and, you know, at, and then the Monday night concert was um, a good-sized group for that space, and um, everybody was comfortable, uh, probably the most appreciative and active audience of, of the three. Yeah. Uh, and maybe a little bit of sense that, uh, hey, we're going home tomorrow. And so uh -huh. pressure's off and kind of, uh, I thought, a very free-spirited concert. Yeah, I, I was very proud of the guys we played. We we always enjoyed being with one another, and I, that comes across. I think musically, it was about as good as we get. You know, we had three good nights, three very different nights. But you know, I think the third one was probably my favorite in that it was uh, freewheeling and there was no time constraint. Yes, that's right. And we weren't going to, I didn't say, whisper to the guys, okay, short solos on this one and count it off. I just, we just let it go. What happened, happened. Yep. And folks were willing to stay, they would have stayed another hour or more. So Jeff, you've traveled with the band. Uh, what do you notice as a difference between hearing the band in the concert and actually being behind the scenes on the tour? These guys drink a lot of wine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm not saying everybody was, uh, you know, uh, inebriated. Not at all. No, you know, no. I think the fellowship and the uh, the meals that were shared together, um, and then afterwards, when everybody gathers in in your room or in the suite, uh -huh. uh, there's a, a just a camaraderie there that's very evident, and it certainly yeah. feeds into the performance of the music. So I think. Yeah. 
that kind of friendship uh, deepens the commitment to play well and to play for the composer, but also to use their individual talents to to sound as good as they can. Yeah, we uh, our parlance for that gathering is the hang, yes, as yeah. in the hanging out, and uh, it is one of the characteristics of a good engagement. And the younger you are, I think the the better you can do it. I, <laughs> I, I'm not playing. I'm just following you guys around and pointing the camera. And and I was just exhausted at the end of every day. So I this yeah. old thing had to go back to the room and and you know crash. But um, but I went, the times I did stop by, it was very mm -hmm. clear that people were were just enjoying hanging out together. Well, it was a great a great gift to have you along and to be part of this. Uh, so thanks for coming and enduring uh, 970 miles, three huh. stops, uh, some road food, and a lot of music. I gained two pounds. I think Mike Carbone gained, uh, told me he gained a couple of pounds as well. Yeah, uh, I was in the car with Mike, both on the way down for seven hours and on the way back for seven hours. What was it like? in the car with the, the three guys that were with you. Oh, it was uh, loquacious. <laughs> yeah, one of the interesting things that uh, that our listeners might not realize is most of the time when we're in the car, we don't listen to music. Mm. Yeah, I know Mike had his serious XM going on. Uh, we, we just talked, and sometimes we just uh, didn't talk. We grumble about the traffic near the uh, Washington Beltway, or wonder how long Delaware and Maryland would be. So we're back, and future adventures are coming. So um, I guess that's it for today. Thanks for listening to the Spirit of Jazz podcast. This is a production of Presby Bop Music. To find out more about Presby Bop, our music, concerts, and recordings, please explore our website at www.presbybop.com and send us a note telling us what you think about the spirit of jazz. We'd love to hear from you. Check in with us again next time. I'm Jeff Kellum. And I'm Bill Carter. Thanks for tuning in.